is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of London is Blue podcast. It's an emergency episode. That's where Jake, our producer, is going to drop some siren noises. Maybe some airplanes going over, screeching in. You know, this is hot (laughs) off the podcast presses. I've got Nick Verlaney with me, along with Joe Tweeds. And the three of us are going to kick off this episode, Nick, by raising a glass in celebration because he's finally home. So cheers, right? You could say, you could say football's coming home, right? Can can we not not bring back those memories, please? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry about that, Joe. Um, too, too soon. I was. I for those who are listening to this on on the audio waves, I'm I'm drinking a tasty Moscow Mule. Hmm. Wonder who that would be in tribute to. Hmm? Well, we have an excited Nick Verlaney. We have a erudite Joe Tweeds with his Japanese whiskey. Myself with a little American bourbon, and we are going to take you through the celebratory conversation with the pre-announcement but basically announcement that Romelu Lukaku is coming back to Chelsea from Inter we have a striker who averages in the 20 plus goals per season over seven seasons there was obviously the huge decision-like situation where we ended up being left at the altar and signing Alvaro Morata instead many many moons ago but all is forgiven Agents have been replaced, and we are now getting the opportunity to welcome (laughs) Lukaku back to Chelsea. But, Nick, I have pulled some three-word reactions we'll get into first. Then we'll actually get into the conversation of the signing. We'll talk about why we should be excited for Lukaku and how he might fit in the lineup. That is correct. Uh, Do do you want me to read? Yeah, well, uh, since Brandon is gone, you you get the opportunity to read. (laughs) He's not gone. (laughs) (laughs) He's gone from this episode. We're really going to miss him, you know? Um, so look, uh, the three word, uh, episode reviews, reaction things, whatever we're calling them here. Uh, the fire was brought to this discussion today. Uh, Dan collected some absolutely fine, uh, three word reactions from discord and Twitter and such. So here we go. Uh, Tom Norwood with Matt law manifestation. True. Uh, February, uh, February 17th, 2021, Matt law suggests on the his blue podcast for the first time that Chelsea should look at Lukaku to come to back to the club in the summer. A real source was with real information. That's pretty cool. Um, Gabriel, 2021-2022 Premier League winners. Ooh, okay, going for it. Philip Brock with Why Not Treble. Interesting. Let's, boy, I just barely got over the last one, man. Can you just give me a minute? Uh, Motor Mount. <laughs> Love that name, by the way. So good. It's coming Rom. We'll work out. We'll workshop that. Boy, Dean Mears is trying to kill me here with "Look Who's Baku." That's that's tough. Shane Holcomb, friend of the pod. What's up, Shane? Sacred timeline restored. I like that. That's very good from Loki. Yeah. That's good. Uh, SP Beal, old friend of the pod. Man, it's been a minute since I've I've seen you. One last dance. Fantastic. Eric Thomas, big rom coming. Fahim Khan, aren't you entertained? We will be. Uh, RJP Journalism. Jeez. Return of Lukaku. And then Grant DeSmit with um, a a Nick Verlaney apropos one about fucking time. Uh, So I I I like the straightforward nature of that one. Grant, well done. Uh, Dan, what do you think about a a three-word reaction to this? Hmm? I went with a simple one just because there were so many that were pop culture related. I had to figure out one that worked as well. And I just went with guess who's back because he's back again. Lukaku's back. Tell a friend. (laughs) All right, Joe, what about you? Yeah, I must admit when I saw them coming in, it was quite difficult to try and get one that was sort of semi-regional. So I've got Rom gets Rom. Roman gets Ah. his striker. Romelu's back. Rom gets Rom. I went with proper storybook ending. I, I think at some point these paths had to cross again. It was too, there was too much left on the table. So proper storybook ending for me. 
Well, we appreciate everybody taking the time to give us a three-word reaction to the Lukaku signing. There were so many we couldn't use, but we appreciate each and every one of you for getting involved in the conversation. Again, we're going to talk about Romelu Lukaku coming back to Chelsea, our new striker, Tuchel's new toy to throw into the lineup and figure out how he is going to absolutely demolish defenses and win six, seven trophies this season. Who knows? We'll see if it can actually happen. Not seven. <laughs> Not seven. Um, but before we do that, we're going to get some quick gratitudes out of the way. Just on Patreon, we want to thank Blaine for signing up on a yearly sub. And we also want to thank John Seth for joining as a new substitute. Ton of new Apple podcast reviews. So please continue leaving yes. those five-star reviews. Helps people find the podcast and helps us assert Chelsea creator content dominance. We love having that. We want to thank Kelvin Flintstones from Ghana. We want to thank Connor, who listens on Spotify, but took the time to give us a five-star review. Mr. Merp who has been using the podcast to entertain his newborn in the car, who was born right before the Champions League final, and has been... It's great. You start them young. Start them very young. We appreciate that. We had WSDRCFC from the UK, also listened to Spotify, but made the trip over to Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star love. Mm-hmm. Chuck will come lately from the US, and Zach Cross from the US, all leaving wonderful five-star reviews. So thank you, thank you so much. And now... Nick, we had in initial reactions, but set the stage for Bricio Romano dropping the tweets early this morning. As as many will note on the pod, the minute that Matt Law stopped recording with us on Thursday, he, he put the hand-waving emoji goodbye because he's on vacation right now and a well-deserved vacation. So we had to get our, our daily transfer fix from, from one of the top transfer experts, and that's Fabrizio. So he said this morning, Romelu Lukaku to Chelsea confirmed, and then here we go. The agreement is set to be completed after further talks. 150 million euros to enter and no players included. Paperworks to be signed once details are fixed. Lukaku will sign a long-term contract for 12 million a year plus add-ons. That is, uh, that's a, a healthy amount for a Lukaku. And then he follows up by saying, Romelu Lukaku will be in London to sign his new contract uh, as a Chelsea player. Work in progress to plan for travel, medical, and unveiling next week. After Lukaku, Chelsea were focused on the next signing, Koundé. Always the favorite option at center back, but not agreed yet. We're going to do one at a time here. This is going to be a Lukaku-focused one, Dan. But uh, basically, if, if we get a here we go, it's official. Yeah, I think we felt pretty confident after... Matt spoke to us during that episode. And look, if you're able to do the hand wave emoji goodbye for a little extra time of R&R with your family, you feel pretty good about where you're at situationally <laughs> with the news you've dropped into the universe. And uh, again, thank you to everyone who shared that episode, retweeted it, uh, shared the quotes that we dropped out there. You know, just occasionally you get people who copy and paste quotes together and confuse the story and timelines have to be pruned. And, you know, we just don't want to do that. We're not the Chelsea TVA. We want to actually just celebrate Roman Lukaku coming back to Chelsea. Joe, initial feelings more from the emotional side. We're going to get to all the logics and the tactics and the formations, but just from a emotional gut feeling, the heart, where you at? I think the one word I'd use is probably overjoyed at the moment in terms of that emotional response. And I think you're right. We can get into all the technical details in a second, but I think this is, I think, uh, I wouldn't say a redemption arc, but it kind of feels that way. It feels like that really significant chapter now in, in Lukaku's career. You know, I went back and watched that video of him touring Stamford Bridge as a, as a teenager today, talking about, you know, how much he wanted to play at Chelsea, that he would be here one day and all these sorts of platitudes that he was saying about the club. And you get the impression that this is somebody who who bleeds Chelsea. You know, he he bleeds sort of blue. And, uh, you know, the the narrative around him coming coming home almost to his, to his club to play for Chelsea, it has to be, I think, one of the best signings from a from an emotional perspective in 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 that respect you know this I said is a a guy who I think was was often lamented at times by Chelsea fans and you know the big deal to Manchester United when he could have come come back to Chelsea and everything that's happened this feels like the right time the peak of his power was the best version of Lukaku that we've ever seen coming back to Chelsea now to finish I think what he started very very I think historically um apt 10 years ago from when we first signed him it's sort of around that window so there feels like there's a lot of synergy here with him coming coming back coming home and from from my perspective I'm absolutely thrilled that we have one of the best players in the world who has 
already such a huge emotional attachment and connection to Chelsea, Chelsea fans, Stamford Bridge, the club. To me, it's the best of, of, of every world that you could possibly hope for. So massively happy. And I think he's going to be a huge success here. Yeah. I mean, Nick, I could, you take your shot too. Give, yeah, give us your feelings. I, I am so, I'm thrilled for him, you know, and yeah. I think, I think this is, you know, the kind of validation of the status of player that he is. I mean, not only has he grown up as a, as a human being and as a man over the last eight years, but he's, he's grown into this unbelievable footballer. I mean, his goal contributions and his style of play and his physicality, all of that is matched by the type of man that he is. And so you look at, the fact that he speaks like seven languages and that he's just a really, really good dude. Um, you don't have to worry about him stinking up the locker room or being a me first guy. I mean, this is, this is as lock of a, of a player that you could pick up in the world right now and add on top of that how he reacted when, um, when his former, uh, teammate went down in, in the Euros, Christian Eriks in the summer, and you saw the complete empathy that that a man like that at the peak of his powers can have. Uh, it is it's just stunning to me. I think this is the best character player that Chelsea could have possibly picked up in this window, and I am so ready for this fucking ride. I can't even tell you. I think it's a really great call out, and it's something I've been reflecting on as I've sat with the news and been <clears throat> getting used to the idea of Lukaku being back at Chelsea and being excited for it. But this idea and what Thomas talked about after the preseason matches with the grin, the all-knowing grin as we will now know it, where he was laughing because he knew this was close to being done and talking about the profile of person he wants at Chelsea, the idea of people who want to be here that are going to add to the club from a mentality standpoint. You have someone who cares for the badge and know what it means to play for it coming to the side. You have someone who is going to be a teammate first and a contributor and is a, is a known entity around the club and will be known to these players who already have such a strong bond. I mean, we saw the way that they willed together a result across all of these games post Lampard last season into this Champions League run, into winning the Champions League, the Why Not Us campaign. And now we're going to add just another amazing individual to that group. That is That alone, you know, outside of the footballing ability, just adding a great person, adding someone who's going to bring chemistry, I think only further gels. Like this is, this is like cement for it. This is cementing Chelsea's cultural kind of, community in this locker room and i'm really excited for that but there were some things you know on the wire maybe through back doors smoky rooms telegrams being intercepted i don't know how joe but there's some whispers that you have been able to hear that your antenna has picked up that maybe talk about this idea that lukaku wasn't a as some are calling it the backup option to an Erling Holland. And why don't you walk us through what your your sources have been able to let you in on? Yeah, so, you know, just some some information, let's say, that I've I've stumbled across from some people in uh, in the game, which I think is uh is interesting. Around the Champions League final, um actually it was the Champions League final in Porto, Chelsea first met with uh with Romelu Lukaku's agent. And I think you know, watching the the sort of narrative that's been carried by, you know, people who claim to have sources and this sort of the whole kind of in the no culture over this summer. It's interesting to me that Chelsea seem to have really targeted Lukaku much, much earlier um, than, than what people are sort of giving credit for here. So Federico Pastorello, I think I'm saying the guy's name right there, Lukaku's agent, um, had a meeting on the eve that Chelsea won the Champions League to start the conversation around, uh, you know, Lukaku potentially coming back to Chelsea. And it seemed to be sort of one of those conversations that was very positive. Chelsea have a very good relationship with him as a as a uh, company and also as an individual. He is also the, the, the let's say, the agent of Malang Saar, which probably, you know, is one of the reasons that we ended up with him as a player. 
But if you think to some of Thomas Tuchel's recent comments about wanting a centre forward who, you know, could play with his back towards goal, whose strengths are being able to keep possession from long balls and that, that would enable Chelsea to to play, uh, I think he said, you know, add this direct style to our portfolio. You can see that those comments tie very much to an early look at, uh, at Romelu Lukaku. So I think instead of this sort of narrative that he is, I think as Dan said there, that, you know, the the backup plan, the plan B, etc. Chelsea, for me, you know, they, they work silently. They don't necessarily share information with people willy-nilly. It's a it's a thing at the club where, you know, they, they tend to to do their business in private. And I think there's a lot of respect for the way that we conduct ourselves. It seems to me, certainly with this meeting happening, you know, months ago in terms of, of when this actually sort of started to, to kick off, that they've very much been working on, you know, things concurrently. So while all the information, and it might be just the, the publicity and the figures around Holland were more vocal and it was more vibrant of conversation, but it seems to be that something with Lukaku has been on the table and actually brewing um, concurrently since that night in, in Porto. And, you know, I, I see it certainly as more of a 1A and 1B versus, uh, you know, plan A and plan B. And I think, you know, from what we're, from what we're seeing, I think Nick's uh, words and were really poignant there in terms of, you know, the character of, of player we've got as well that Dan, you know, what you were talking about there. It seems to me like Tuchel has actually got his man. You know, you don't start conversations with a player, particularly that that early into the, you know, the, the off-season. It, it, you know, it literally had barely just finished with the Champions League final. You don't engage with somebody's agent there if you don't have a sincere and, and pretty concrete interest in the player. So just said, just one of these sort of interesting whispers that sort of floated across, you know, my my sort of ears and the stuff that I was I was privy to to hear there. So, uh, yeah, I think that certainly is, a, is an interesting caveat to a lot of the sort of news and speculation and the way that this transfer has been reported in, in certain quarters and you know people who are suggesting you know they have information and access etc just think again you know just to reiterate, reiterate a tiny bit Chelsea did not really you know from my understanding and, and people that I talk to in football and around the club don't necessarily conduct their business in a really open public manner it's just a, a private way of doing it and as I said they have a lot of respect in doing so so I think hopefully again in terms of people thinking that this is a backup option or some sort of plan b plan c whatever it's going to be I think he's been very much one of the front runners, and again, I think a, a parallel option to Erling Haaland. And when maybe the, the Haaland deal was considered to be a little bit too extortionate, particularly with the, the the agent fees and things of that nature, but we'll talk about a bit later. I think Lukaku probably became the front runner. And when you you hear Tuchel's comments, you hear what he's after. The profile of player it absolutely describes Romelu Lukaku to a T. So for me, one A, one B. I think the club are very happy with with what they've got here. Well, and and look. I, I just have to say this because I have been uh, a crusading against the uh, in the no culture on Twitter. It's probably not a surprise that I'm I'm going to be the one. Me, yes, me. Nick uh, Ferlaney. Nobody knows anything. Okay, nobody. No one who claims that they know something knows anything. We don't ever come out on our show and go, "Got a sneaky secret? Got a tip off for you guys? Look, big Rom's coming." No. We leave it to qualified people to say whether or not that's happening. Qualified people like Matt Law, for example. Uh, we just want to report on it in the best way possible. So if you're listening to this and then you're also viewing Twitter and you're going, oh, man, there are like four or five accounts that say Holland's coming. And then it doesn't happen. It's because they don't know anything. And it is absolutely a crime to me to have this much like angst over these signings. As Joe said, there are five people at Chelsea who do this business. And if you think that anyone on Twitter is in that room, you're wrong. So just please, everyone, just lower the temperature and put these in the know, folks, out of your out of your life. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, as as we know, there's no WhatsApp group with Marina and Bruce and Petter that involves individuals on Twitter where they just drop a done deal and then they can cascade it to thousands of, of Twitter followers. You know, this <laughs> this is things where you would look at, you know, and we're fortunate to call, I think, these people friends, but you look at Matt Law, you look at, you know, Simon Johnson, you look at Nizar Kinsella, you look at Liam Toomey, and so many of the journalists that we have a chance to talk to on this show who are putting in great work, developing sources, and making sure that they're doing the appropriate due diligence and taking the time to vet 
what they're hearing versus potentially just dropping it to have the race to first. And the race to first typically who loses is the consumer because you're getting a lot of information and now it's up on you to filter. It's up on you to be the determinant of what actually is or isn't happening, but you don't have the appropriate reference point or points to actually make an informed decision. And that's how this, how we get here. But thankfully, we're in a good spot. Lukaku's coming back. We're super excited. I think there was a, a quote here, though, Joe, that tied to this whole concept that like Tuchel got his guy, that maybe someone of Tuchel's, uh, of Lukaku's profile is the type of striker that he would want to have at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, the, the sort of the exact quote was was around Olivier Giroud leaving. So he said, you know, I think with the exit of Olivier Giroud, we could use a player who's used to playing with his back towards the goal, whose strengths are to keep maybe possession from long balls, that we can add this direct style of play to our portfolio. And I think if you sort of recall, certainly there were plenty of times last season where we would maybe lose a slight foothold in the game. We would play a, a direct ball to one of our maybe more diminutive or more lightweight sort of forward options that we had at the time and the ball would come straight back. You know, be, we would be defending again within sort of three to five seconds. So I think one of the, the things he's looking to achieve here is obviously if you hit Lukaku nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, he's going to retain possession and allow you to actually relieve pressure and act as a, as a pressure valve. And we know as well the way that he wants to, to use Lukaku isn't probably as a sort of a, just a static target man. He likes his ability to drop into pockets and, and link play, play with his, you know, play with his back to goal, have that strength, have that ability to, to play direct. You know, if we build up patiently in every single game, it's very easy for teams to eventually figure out patterns to play. If you have the option to just hit a pass from Silva or Christensen into Lukaku's chest or head or whatever, changes the dynamic a bit, changes how you defend Chelsea at a very simple level. So you can see, I think, again, with, with this sort of, you know, the recent quotes that have come out from Tuchel, that a player of a uh, sort of Lukaku's stature, of his profile, of his attributes, was, I think has very much been on the table and probably something that he's been thinking about maybe since he's actually joined the club as well. Well, and, and it doesn't, that does not describe Erling Holland either, which I think is an interesting way to look at it. Holland's a big guy. He's fast. He can lead on the counter. He's not a back-to-goal striker, though. I mean, nope. that's, that's not who he is. I mean, he's very good on the front foot, and don't get me wrong, he would have been a dynamic player at Chelsea. But as, as I look at that quote, I think it eliminates Holland almost in, in the way that he's thinking about it. And, and I do agree, too, Joe, that, that your point is, is well taken there. You, if you're Chelsea and you know that some of the slow buildup last year got us in a lot of trouble, even when Tuchel got in, right, you have to be able mid-game to flip different switches, to try something new. And if Lukaku gives you that option, then, yeah, then, then it puts everyone on the back foot <laughs> and then you, then you try it and then you maybe go back to playing it around a little bit. But yeah, I mean, when, when we were our most dynamic, Dan, last year, it was on the counter, right? It was, it was when we were being our most direct. It was when Pulisic and Werner and maybe a little Ziyech and Kai were running at defenses and, and putting them back. You add Big Rom to that who's able to take a ball, pass, and then move because he's also fucking fast, by the way. He's not just this big loaf <laughs> up there. He's not Peter Crouch, you know, or whatever. So, like, it, then then you add a whole different dynamic to the team. And it turns out he can finish. So that's pretty cool. Well, it's interesting that not only did Chelsea have to register him with the FA when he arrives, but because his chest is going to be such a target, uh, we're going to open up uh, LUK Airport because Rudiger, Christensen, <laughs> Silva will all be hitting those long balls directly onto the runway there. But look, I, I do think it's fair just to give a moment because there are going to be people who look at this Lukaku deal and say, man, I really, I still wish we would have signed Erling Holland. I wanted him to be the player. I wanted him to be the guy. Generational talent, so young, scores hat tricks and friendlies, scores tons of goals <laughs> in the Champions League. Just, there's a lot of you know, sliding doors moments, right? And this this will be a sliding door moment for Chelsea because they got their guy, but they said no to another guy. And so, Nick, how would you talk to someone who maybe is disappointed in the fact that it wasn't Holland in this moment? Uh, look, I think it's entirely fair to be disappointed if, if, if you feel that way. I mean, we all have players that we like and we all have players that we dislike uh, or maybe don't rate as highly, I should say. 
Um, I personally love Big Rom. I, I always have. I, I I'm, I'm very excited for him to sign for Chelsea, and I think he's the exact right forward that we need. But, of course, I mean, you watch Erling Holland, and you know he's going to be one of the great strikers in, in Europe, and there's no doubt about that in my mind. He is a really, really, really talented player. So, I, I mean, I would just say, look, be the attitude I would hold is even if you're disappointed, be grateful that we got one of the top, in my mind, three forwards in Europe. Maybe we didn't get the one that you wanted, but we got one of the top three. And what that does to our team allows us to to challenge, I think, in a far more significant way for the Premier League title. And that is that's something we've been a ways off of since the last time we won it. So that's how I kind of rate that. Well, and Joe, do you want to dive into maybe just before we get into a break here, the idea around why Holland was not maybe as viable when we think about the fact that Chelsea wanted a couple of signings to upgrade the squad when we were looking at just how do you sign Holland when you also want to do these other things? It really was a decision in that regard, too. Yeah, I think, you know, people were naturally disappointed and, and you know, me saying that I, I don't think necessarily that from a business perspective this was realistic doesn't sort of um let's say invalidate the fact that i think he's a very good player um if you look at sort of just from the financial side of thing you're looking at i think they were looking at 150 million pound cash in terms of the deal i think that from a from a chelsea standpoint was probably achievable in terms of you know maybe a, a smaller upfront fee and bonus structures and all the sort of ways that we we do to sort of negotiate deals but this seemed very much a stance from Dortmund that it was a you know 150 million pounds cash up front or nothing you then add on top of that the 25 to maybe 30 million pound fee to Minoreola I don't think the club necessarily really want to add 25 30 million pounds to, to that chap's pockets and very ironic that actually you know just to, to mention the the agent's name there that he was pretty much the main reason that Lukaku you know wasn't uh, a Chelsea player when we were dealing with Alvaro Morata United were quite happy to pay the agent fee Chelsea were not at the time again I think that was something that went a little bit under the radar when we maybe sort of got the wrong players you know United maybe would have been better with Morata we probably would have been better with Lukaku so Chelsea have have previous with Ferreira in that respect we've not wanted to give him that absolute extortionate agent fee and then Haaland's salary I mean the you know what you were seeing in the press net and gross and all these sorts of insane figures I think that deal if Chelsea were to have concluded it would have been well north of 200 million pounds um, you're looking at the fee, looking at the agent fee, looking at, uh, you know, I think I saw some net salary of like £400,000 a week, which would have put him in sort of, you know, approaching messy kind of territory in terms of his, his gross salary. So that from that perspective, I think that was something that the club were maybe, maybe a little reluctant on. But then I think when you factor in as well that this is a player who, to me, would probably see Chelsea as a stepping stone to a Real Madrid to a PSG, to a to a club that could either pay him the one million euros a week or whatever silly money that he would be requesting, or to play for a, a team of of Madrid's you know caliber and, and history, which a lot you know a lot of players in Europe, that is their eventual goal. So I, you could maybe make an argument for that investment if you were to see Holland as somebody that was going to be at Chelsea for eight plus years, or you know to be a, a sort of a significant player here. But if he was somebody who I think the press were mentioning, you know, they were trying to negotiate a release clause, et cetera, into the contract, that to me suggests that this isn't really a, a fully committed player that's going to be a long-term prospect at Chelsea. So for that two, 200 million plus North investment, you might get him for two, three seasons. He might be an absolutely unbelievable, unstoppable player for two, three seasons, but it still leaves you in a position in two, three years where you have to then try and go and find your replacement. Yes, you may have a ton of money coming into the market, but there may not be a viable alternative on the market. I think that's where, if you compare and contrast with Lukaku, the juxtaposition, I think, of, of the character of the player that we were talking earlier, this is a guy who sees Chelsea as the pinnacle of his career. I think he's coming at, you know, at the absolute peak of his powers. You're going to get from him, I think, four to five years of really top-level form um, without there being the need for, to worry about him going to Barca, to Real Madrid, to whoever. So I think from that perspective as well, when you really compare the, the players on a, on a cash basis, on a business basis, but also probably on the, their own kind of perspectives of Chelsea as a football club. I think that Chelsea have probably made the right decision here. Yes, as I said, Holland, absolutely exceptional player. You can go back and listen to the episode, the transfer note that we did on, on Lukaku and Holland. I think he's an absolutely fantastic prospect. But for the money that Chelsea are probably going to have to pay for him 
for the amount of time that we would probably have him here. For me, I think Lukaku is, is a no-brainer in that respect and certainly can see why the club, in terms of the sort of parallel negotiations, it appears that they're conducting why they've gone for Lukaku versus versus Holland and going all in on, on the player. All right, so we've talked through Holland. We've talked through Lukaku and getting hype behind him. The rest of this podcast is all about getting you jazz if you're not already getting you excited for how Lukaku spent his time away from Chelsea and how much of a high he is on in terms of his performance what it's going to look like when he comes back in the squad but real quick before we hit our ad break we just want to let you know we got a ton of pods coming up this week we have a preseason special which spoiler if you're listening to this one Nick Joe Tweeds is going to host and let us be the question answerers <gasps> kind of like our Champions League final podcast uh-oh. So I'm now fourth choice host. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, surprise. I, uh, we also have a Super Cup preview. We'll have a Super Cup review. We'll also have a premiere of a new Joe Tweed special that we're going to be doing on a monthly basis. And we're also going to get a little bit of a Palace preview in there. So tons of great pods coming this week. Another big week of pods. I feel like the acronym doesn't work anymore because every week is a big week of pods. So that's just the way it is. <laughs> we have shirts. They're still available and still shipping uh, our, uh, and still the only team in London with the European Cup. I definitely would recommend ordering one of those. And then our Vegas trip is canceled. Uh, I know we were kind of super bummed to say no to doing Vegas in the current time. But obviously with the pandemic the way it is, with the caseload of COVID the way it is, uh, we just felt like and Blue Wire and the Wind felt like it wouldn't be the experience that everyone was hoping for. So uh, we will keep you updated if there is any type of new date that gets solidified for Football Fest. But we are excited to, when it is safe for everybody to do so, get back to Vegas and enjoy that. But we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors who are supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right. So Lukaku's time away, his time going away from Chelsea. You know, obviously there's a little time in Everton there. There was some time at Manchester United. There was some time at Inter Milan, and he comes to us uh, fresh off of giving Inter a title for the first time in 10 seasons alongside Antonio Conte and having a ridiculous, ridiculous season as it relates to kind of his total contributions. I mean, just uh, Joe, how how good is he right now? We talk about peak of powers. You know, this this seems to me like it's the third act of the Marvel movie, like the heroes had a chance. It's the origin story movie, right? Like they've had the chance to get their power. They've had their, maybe their fall from grace moment where they've had to, you know, just rebuild a touch, but now they're back in full power, ready to face what is 19 Premier League teams in opposition, what is multiple teams in Europe to help us win at the end as the credits roll. Yeah, I think the, uh, it's a really good analogy there because I think the, the comparison between his time at Manchester United and, and Inter, I think that's that's really where you have to focus. Speaking with some some United fans who are um, pretty intelligent with their football takes, they they told me sort of when Lukaku was at United, he was a very restricted player from a tactical perspective. He was used as sort of a static target man, you know, stay very much on the centre backs, be a a focal point of the attack and. I think what we've seen under Antonio Conte, we know as Chelsea fans that this is a guy who can see things in players and is actually well, probably one of the best pure coaches that we've had at the club. What he has done is sort of unshackled Lukaku from this um, kind of, you know, sort of, I think, very basic way of using him. And he's actually allowed him the, the freedom to to utilise his entire skill set. And while I do think certainly from a, from a physical standpoint, you can see the improvement from United to Inter. This is a, a leaner, fitter version of Lukaku, a, a quicker, more powerful, more agile version. But the the tactical kind of permutations of how he's being used now. You know, he's allowed to drop deep into pockets of space. Defenders don't really want to travel with him because he's so physically strong and he's fantastic at holding the ball up. He's got a great ability to roll defenders. He can play one and two touch. You know, he's a great link man. You know, dropping into those pockets of space into no man's land. Defenders don't want to come there. He's, I think as Nick alluded to earlier, you know, he's got the, the pace and the power and the strength to, to run beyond defenders and play on the shoulder as well. He works the channels incredibly well. He is a multi-directional forward who, you know, is is reminiscent of a Costa, of a Drogba at their peak. Their ability to occupy an entire back four or back three or whoever it is. You know, he can play in any particular channel of, of the forwards, um, you know, whether it's that wide down the middle in, in sort of the number 10 pocket on the shoulder. And I think that is the major difference of what we saw in the difference in, in Lukaku from playing in England and, and from playing in Italy is, is that... 
um, unleashing of, of his potential from Antonio Conte. Yes, I think he's improved in, in a lot of aspects of his play as well. But I think now I'm looking at sort of Tuchel and that application. I think you're going to see more of, of Tuchel using him like Antonio Conte has, freeing him from those responsibilities. And as you say, you look at the, the goal scoring, you look at the output, you look at the, the way he led the team, the way that he was a spearhead, the focal point through Inter versus just being a you know an £80 million lamppost at Manchester United was how he's being used tactically. Now that you've got a manager with creativity, a manager that can see what he can do, I think has improved him technically as a player as well. That is the player we're getting at Chelsea. And when I say peak of powers, as I say, I, I think Lukaku is the most complete centre forward in world football in terms of what he can do. Um, quick shout out to expected Chelsea on Twitter. I think he produced a really fantastic graphic recently where he was looking at sort of all different plays, all different facets of a forward play. And in the middle of his uh, his Venn diagram, sort of the sweet spot, yep. you had guys like Kylian Mbappe and Lukaku. You know, they are the peak modern all-round centre forwards. And I think Chelsea should be uh, incredibly happy that we are getting this sort of, as you say, the, the final act of Lukaku's kind of uh, superhero journey here. And I'd quickly add to that too. I think the two things that I've seen massive improvements on, there's a story um, via one of the channels now. I mean, there's a ton of Chelsea content creators, so I apologize if I'm not crediting this correctly. But uh, the first touch that Lukaku has formed over the last three or four years is far different than what he had at Chelsea or what he had at United even. I mean, this guy has has completely turned around his first touch and it is now a weapon for him instead of something that could scupper him uh, in, in his quest for goals. Uh, he has, there, there's a story that Antonio Conte, when he first you know got to enter and, and wanted to use Lukaku, because we all remember that he wanted Lukaku at Chelsea, right? And so this is a guy that he was excited to work with. He basically put... Inter Milan's most disruptive, biggest defender on Lukaku. And every day they did a first touch drill with Lukaku's back to goal. And he screwed it up for two months straight. And then he became this monster. Like after that, he went through this cauldron of fire with Antonio Conte. And we've seen Antonio Conte put Eden Hazard through that cauldron of fire ourselves in Minneapolis when he made him do wind sprints until he almost died. I mean, it was... He wants a fit, uh, incredibly savvy, great first touch type of player. And Lukaku has developed that in spades. In addition to that, Dan, he has developed his confidence in front of goal that I think is exactly what Chelsea need right now based off of maybe some of the misfires from last season. And if you have someone who comes in like a prime Diego Costa and just starts banging in the goals, it gives everybody around you confidence that this team is going to do something special. And so those are the two things that as I was kind of doing some digging on Lukaku that I was like, oh yeah, this is the right guy for the, for right now. There's also the video out there of him showing someone, a reporter, how if you get too close to him, that he is going to basically use that to work his way around you. Um, so there's a lot of, and you know, I, I think this is, you know, unfortunate, you know, because a lot of people will paint someone like Lukaku as a striker with like, oh, he's fast, he's physically dominant, like that is just who he is as a player, like he scores a lot of goals. Like he's a wicked smart individual inside mm -hmm. and outside of football, and he is going to add a level of nous to this team, uh, compassion to this team that we maybe haven't seen. Like I, this is the best. I would say individual striker signing since Diego Costa for this team in terms of someone who is going to bring a level of energy to our attack. You know, obviously Timo Werner and, and his runs and his assists have been a, a big contribution. Kai Havertz is developing a little bit of that swag kind of now that he's getting back to full fitness and I'm very, very excited for Those that. Those two together. Be this season. Yeah. The, the, yeah. So let's, We'll start to that make that transition because I think that is now the exciting thing, right? It's like, how is Lukaku, who is going to be an absolute handful for the likes of a Harry Maguire or a Diaz, if, he, if he's found his way out of the hole that we dug him into at the end of last season? I don't know if he's made it out yet. Um, so, like, there, there's a lot that Lukaku is going to make difficult for defenders, which is fantastic. But as we think about what it looks like with him coming into the attack. And so I just pulled some league stats from last season. These are from FB ref. 
So Lukaku compared against Timo Werner, Kai Havis, Christian Pulisic, and Mount was midfield and forwards. I didn't kind of necessarily throw him into this, but um, for Lukaku and Timo, 36 and 35 matches played respectfully, uh, respectively. Uh, Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic both at 27 matches apiece. It was 24 goals for Roman Lukaku. It was six goals for Timo Werner, four for Kai Havertz, four for Christian Pulisic. Assists, 11 for Lukaku, eight for Werner, three for Havertz, two for Pulisic. And when you look at some of the things like shot creating actions, so Lukaku had 114 shot creating actions. You had Timo Werner with 85. You had Kai Havertz with 47. Christian Pulisic was 62nd, uh, 67. That's 3.56 for Lukaku per every 90 minutes. Pulisic was at 3.47. Timo Werner was at 2.94. And Kai Havertz was at 2.78. Those are just some high-level stats, Nick. And I know you're not the biggest stat fan here. You got the Nick Verlaney patented eye test, the NPET. And we just want to take about... Maybe at the end of those stats excite you? Yes. <laughs> how, how could you not be excited? I mean, how, how just about, by the way, the goals, <laughs> the 24 goals compared to the six, four, and four? Perhaps you're interested in that. Also, perhaps you're interested in the 11 assists, which I think might be even more impressive given the, I think, stereotypes that come with a player like Romelu Lukaku. He has become an excellent passer along along the way, and I think Antonio Conte had a lot to do with that. But 11 assists to Werner's eight. I mean, we, we talked about Werner's goal contributions all the time last year because we had to laugh to stop ourselves from crying at times. But, I mean, this is 35 goal contributions. And that's just in the league. That's just not in the league? All the other matches. Just, I mean, fellas... I am excited about stats. Those are good stats. Nick Verlaney <laughs> almost uh, hit the armrests on his chairs and stood up because he was just so over that. But, Joe, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stats here. Are there numbers or things that you're seeing that also should get people excited, both from what he will bring individually, but how he will combine with some of the other players in Chelsea's squad? Yeah, there's there's a phrase that I think I think we keep looking at back at Diego Costa here in terms of, you know, the last really great Chelsea centre forward. And there's a phrase that we haven't used in a while that I think Lukaku immediately brings to Chelsea, and that, that's fear factor. Mm. You know, when, when we play decent teams, when we, you know, when we play poor teams and struggle to create against them, all of a sudden now you're not focusing on maybe Timo Werner, who's a little bit hit and miss in front of goal, where, you know, Kai Havertz, who at times was fantastic, but still more of a kind of false nine, not really sort of challenging centre-backs. And, you know, I think we've seen those stats. It's not, we don't really have the most threatening forwards on, on the planet. All of a sudden you're dropping in, a, you know, somebody like Lukaku. That, that to me, just in terms of his presence and what he brings and what he means, that to me is a game change already. Factor in as well that I think Chelsea have been kind of toying with a 4-2-4, a little bit of a 3-5-2 in pre-season, two, two strikers. The last really great centre-forward partnership that Chelsea had was, was probably Ida and Jimmy, Good Johnson and, and Hasselbank. And I get a very similar feeling that that could be something we see with Lukaku and Havertz. You know, he, he was really, I think in terms of how he linked up with, um, I always forget the Argentinian guy's name at Inter, uh, Letaro Martinez, sorry, um, how he linked up with him at Inter. I think Kai Havertz is infinitely a better player than, than, uh, than Martinez is in terms of his ability, in terms of what he can be. If you get a, a partnership and a chemistry between Lukaku and Havertz, both physical, both well over six foot, both can can finish, creativity, one touch play, whatever you want to talk about in terms of forming a, a partnership, forming a chemistry. Havertz and Lukaku, that on paper is something that would start terrifying teams, particularly if we start playing with, with two strikers more often. Havertz in behind Lukaku, feeding off of him, running beyond him, you know, feeding him, creating whatever you want to say. This, to me, at least, as I said, on paper, is the, a probably the first sort of Chelsea kind of attack where you're looking at maybe a Costa and a, and a Hazard sort of playing together where you really think that this is something that could spearhead a title challenge. And as much as, you know, that is a big prediction and some big words, considering we've been nowhere near challenging for a Premier League for four seasons now, Havertz and Lukaku, to me, if they click, if they connect, what they could offer, how they could combine, that to me sounds like a title challenge a title winning partnership and that that should get Chelsea fans excited uh, and I would add to that before Dan jumps in with a very excited look on his face 
uh, I've been following David Branch for a little while here on, on Twitter, and I think he's just an excellent Twitter follow if you're if you're in, into good Twitter follows. Uh, his tweet from earlier this week on August 3rd, Thomas Tuchel improved domestic form immensely after his arrival, but let's not forget in seven fixtures versus Wolves, Southampton, Leeds, Brighton, West Brom, Arsenal, and Villa, we collected four of a possible 21 points available. That sucks. Um, and then there's this thing that Lukaku only scores against lesser sides. He says, my answer, thank fuck for that. <laughs> and I'm like, Very I'm like, yeah, I mean, that was our biggest bugaboo. So let's let's plug that it's gap. It's been our biggest weakness for ages, for ages, scoring against, uh, let's say, lesser opponents. It's been the bane of Chelsea probably since Conte's second season, I'd say. We've had issues against those sorts of teams. So, yeah, if, if Lukaku can flat-track bully them, then, you know, bully ball is back, and I'm more than happy with that. I'll be interested to see, and I think this is going to be the cool thing that also comes, is that Tuchel's going to get an opportunity to tinker once more. You know, we've seen him play around with different formations. We've seen him try to figure out how he's going to integrate different players in the side. And we have a lot of players who actually have some really strong positional diversity. So, you know, you can play someone like Callum in a wingback that's not really a wingback role and further advance the attack on the right-hand side, allow the team to push further forward. You have, you know, the way that he's tried to deploy Christian or Mason. And so there's a lot that we're going to get a chance to see him experiment with. I'm interested to see the Havertz Lukaku partnership, because maybe then you do get that two up top. Mason drops a little bit deeper into the midfield. So you do have that, that kind of five then, and then maybe it's him, Jorginho, Conte with, you know, any combination on the wings, we have the more defensive options and, um, you know, in Chilwell and Reese, you potentially have the options if more aggressive, if you do like Christian and a Callum. So you, you could get some really just wild starting 11s or adjustments to our 11 during the game. And I think that ability to unlock Tuchel as well, Nick, is going to be really interesting to see because I think where he maybe wanted more last season is if you have that type of reliable individual who's going to be the focal point, just like when you have N'Golo Conte on the pitch, and you know you can pencil in two people that then allow you to deploy the remainder of your squad however you see fit, that really just, I think the innovative nature of Tuchel is now going to be maybe leveled up because of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, as you just said, all the different potential forward combinations and any different style that you want are possible if you feel like you're going to get a goal or two a game guaranteed, right? If you're scared that you're not going to score and you're like, oh, we can't – Timo need one over the line last game. We can't change anything because we have to keep that going. Then it, it, you kind of are on the back foot from a from a tactics perspective, but – but now, I mean, when Diego played for us, we were, you know, good good for a goal a game. I mean, it was and it was usually a big goal. Um, so I, I hope that Lukaku brings that level uh, with him to Chelsea. But, but yeah, I mean, how we how we set up in a back four versus a back three, how the midfield works, where Kai is deployed, where Timo is deployed, where Christian is deployed. I mean, I know we disagree a little bit on Christian recently, Dan, but. Um, <laughs> I, I think that Christian, with a guy who can actually score, his assists are going to go through the roof if he plays. I mean, how many times has he laid the ball on a plate for someone to sky it into Rosette? I mean, this is a it's a game changer for a lot of players on the team. It does take a position away from someone to potentially start. You could see Christian maybe not start as frequently or Werner not start as frequently or Ziyech who has been banging him in in preseason. I mean, it's more competition for these guys, but for fuck's sake, I mean, if, as long as you got someone putting it over the line, that's all that matters. I think the way if we kind of maybe think about chemistry is that Lukaku can be the Chelsea's attacks new catalyst mm -hmm. by the way yeah. that he connects and brings others into the fold but also is able to go along and do it himself too. You know, we've we've seen Giroud sometimes a little wooden, great at holding up the ball, bringing other people's in, but sometimes just eh, couldn't necessarily get the goal himself. And now you've got a really more of a complete package in what Lukaku is going to bring to Chelsea, to SW6. And look, I'm just going to take a 
You know, look, I'm going to make a big, bold bet here that Jorginho at seven Premier League goals last season will not be the club's top scorer uh, as much as he will be probably in the short list of Ballon d'Or candidates for the coming season. Um, I, I just don't I don't see it happening again. So uh, that that is a uh, we'll have to fare all, f- uh, bid farewell to that. All I want in this world is a Lukaku winner and for him to hoist N'Golo Kante high into the air a classic tall-small combo that we've all needed in our lives. That's what I want. All right, so we're going to give it's a final thoughts, anything we missed, anything we didn't capture. Joe, any summary, last things you want to talk about, crazy predictions for Lukaku in the coming season? The floor is yours. Oh, where to start or where to finish? Um, I think kind of like closing thoughts here is that certainly for the past couple of seasons, when we've looked at, at forwards at Chelsea, and it, I'm not just talking about the centre forward here, we never really talk about their strength being their goal scoring or, you know, their actual, the sort of job that they're employed to do. It's they, you know, Timo Werner makes fantastic runs off the ball or Havertz is creative or, you know, such and such player does this. It's nice to go into a season now where you're looking at your front three or whatever it's going to be. And the main part of that front three is a guy who is capable of scoring 30 goals a season. That, you know, we, we, we're not really blessed in the Roman era for having super consistent strikers. You know, we've had Drogba, we've had Anelka, we've had Diego Costa really as three guys who have, you know, been 20 goal a season Premier League strikers and and really contributed. I think now going into this season, the level of confidence that I have now that we have that profile of player, I think is, is incredible. And I think the other thing as well, just to touch on, you know, he is for me, one of the players that I think implicitly understands Chelsea. He is um, you know, obviously from from Belgium, he grew up at Anderlecht, but his club in in every interview that you can see, even recently this season, he was, you know, on Twitter, I think, talking about Chelsea being a, a club that's still very dear to him. This is a guy that I think just by the virtue of putting on a Chelsea shirt is going to grow another five, ten percent. And I think, you know, a lot of people make fun of of intangibles and and talk about mental stuff and mental traits as as, as silly stuff and, and stuff that, you know, f- proper quote unquote proper football people obsess over. But I do think the level of confidence that he he brings from Inter, adding that to the Chelsea shirt, adding that to, I think, his drive to prove people wrong at Manchester United, to prove pundits wrong in, in England, to, to do it for the club that he supports, that whole narrative, I think, is, for me, starting to emerge as something very powerful. And yes, it's a lot of it is is emotional and a lot of it is is sentimental in many respects. You know, this young kid come to Chelsea as a fan and maybe didn't quite get the opportunities that he wanted, left the club, has gone on to become this superstar in world football. Now he comes home and has an opportunity to probably write every sort of dream or sort of, you know, correct every dream that he's had as a kid to now implement that at his football club um, as a senior player, 28 years old, you know, the absolute peak of his career, that idea, that notion, that concept for me, that is what I'm so looking forward to seeing. This sentiment, this emotion that is is involved in the signing. I can't wait just to see him score his first goal, how he's going to react, how he's going to lead the line, how he's going to be a, an inspiration, a leader for this team. It, to me, seems like the perfect opportunity to bring somebody home who really understands what it means to be a Chelsea player, what it means to to want to play for this club, to be at this club and lead this club. And that is, for me, the, the most exciting thing. So, yes, it's great. He's a goal scorer. He's a fantastic footballer. But this is somebody who wants to be here, wants to only be here. And I think we're going to see that when he puts on the shirt every single week. Woo. You got some goosebumps there, Nick? Nothing more to say than that. I'll say that. I mean, good Lord. What, what else do you need? All right. Well, I think that is then a great place to leave it. So Blues out there, enjoy the fact that we got our guy, that Tuchel has his man, that Lukaku is coming home to Chelsea. What a great story. But again, this is just a chapter in the novel. There is still much to be written. And who knows? Maybe the first involvement is a Super Cup. Maybe not. But with Rukaku back at Chelsea, we do have some really, really great looking days ahead. So until next time, Chelsea fans, we've got a lot of pods coming up, but you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.